Hello and welcome to another Siren Sport podcast. I'm your host, Alison Smirnoff, and I'm joined by our AFLW Oracle, Gemma Bastiani. How are you going, Gem? I'm good. Season's about to start. My life's back. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of uh, snuck up on us a little bit, but we are days away from the AFLW 2021 season. How are you feeling about it? Um, so I've been telling everyone that I'm compartmentalising in the respect that I'm going to focus on what I can focus on and ignore all the pandemic stuff and just hope that it goes ahead because not worth stressing about it because I can't do anything about it. So to answer your question, I'm excited. You sound a little bit like a player, like just control the controllables, <laughs> take it one week at a time. You have to though. Like that's what COVID has taught me. <laughs> it's, it's so literally take it a day at a time, hour at a time. Yeah. <laughs> So we're just going to go through and preview the season. We're going to go club by club and do a bit of an analysis. But I'm going to I'm going to flip it because we usually obviously start with the Adelaide Crows, but I'm going to go in reverse order. Oh god, I have to go to the end of my notes now. So we're going to start off with the Western Bulldogs because they do ne- get neglected now and then. Do they? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just made that up. So to kick us off, Western Bulldogs, 2021, what has been their biggest gain? So I think that out of all of their draftees, um, Jess Fitzgerald seems like the obvious one because she was their highest selection and all that sort of stuff. But the reality of her being selected kind of links in with the Melbourne stuff too. So we were talking off air before about Alyssa Bannon and how Melbourne got her and we'll get to her soon enough. But... The thing about Jess Fitzgerald and the reason I think that put her over the top for the Bulldogs at the draft is her connection with Gabby Newton, the number one draft pick from the previous year. We saw Gabby Newton have a huge year and have a big impact. The fact that she can now connect up with an outside midfielder like Jess Fitzgerald kind of compounds the talent of both of them. Um, So that's what put her over the top for them, made them take her at number two, and I think she is definitely the biggest game. Yep. I had her as my biggest gain for the Bulldogs too. Um, you just referenced a bit of a Northern Knights connection. There's a few Knights girls at the Bulldogs now, plus an assistant coach who used to coach them at the Knights. Yes. Um, so, yeah, yeah she, was my, she was my pick too. Yeah. So, on the flip side, Bulldogs' biggest loss, I, th- I have a feeling we might say the same person. You go first then. Ashley McCarthy. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be. Um, she had her season, like her career best season last year. Um, the way she links the midfield and the forward line, but also gets forward and kicks goals, all that sort of stuff, um, was just massive for the Bulldogs last year. And I think I keep going to say this year, but it's January 2021. Um, so apologies if I do that later on as well. She really kind of was the bright spark outside of the young talent that the dogs had. That being said, I think that players like Jess Fitzgerald have the ability to cover that loss. Mm. So I'm not too worried about it for the Bulldogs, but it is a big loss and a big gain for the next team we're going to talk about. Yep. Um, so if you're an opposition coach, how do you beat them? I mean, they're, they're a team that's really brimming with young talent, but but how do, how do you beat the doggies? So I think the biggest weak point for the Dogs this year is going to be their inconsistency. 
I think they're going to try really hard to play the style of game that they want to be playing in two years' time with this young talent maturing, which will mean that they will get opened up at times. So you need to pressure the disposal so they can't use their clean skill as much. And when they're going fast, be aware to defend that, um, but then go fast in opposition to that. So I think it's going to... When they click, they're going like, to... So last year, for example, when they played Frio in round six... All of a sudden, there was this amazing game style they were playing that they were trying to get to all year mm. that had clicked on that one day. And then we saw Frio kind of combat that with a bit of contested footy and then some clean skill on the wing. That'll happen again this year for them. They'll be up and down. When they're up, that's the way you've got to beat them. So the word on the street is that Izzy Huntington's going to play forward true, this yeah. year. Um, how does that change them structurally down back? This is the thing. They recruited two really, really solid defenders in the top 16 or something, was it, of the draft this mm. year, last year? Um, so I think, yeah, Lawrence Spark is still going to be back there. I think Hannah Scott probably will play a bit back there. Um, Dee Berry may go back there at times on a half-back role. Like, they're going to have senior players kind of go through there, but I think it's going to be very much a baptism of, by fire for... Sarah Hartwig and Simmons. I've got that wrong, probably Simons. Um, sorry, I'll check that. I feel terrible. Isabella Pritchard. There you go. Isabella Simmons is at Melbourne. Um, yeah, so I think that's going to be the thing is that they're going to really learn really quickly and that could be one of the weak points is that that key defensive def- um, roles that you can kind of break through. But come the end of the season, once they've got their chemistry going, it's going to be really impressive. Um, and exciting for the future years. Yep. They've got a couple of other young key tools in Newton and uh, one of my faves, Nell Morris-Dalton. Where do you think they're going to line up? Yeah, so Nell Morris-Dalton has reportedly come back from preseason. Like, Holy moly. Raring to go. Yeah. Just a different person, like different body shape type thing. Yeah. Because she's focused so heavily in the off-season on um, you know, improving her fitness and all that sort of stuff. So we saw a glimpse in round six of what she can do. We saw the way she changed that forward line. So not just in terms of what she does, but structurally what she can allow others to do. Um, that is going to be massive for them this year. I think she's absolutely going to be their breakout player and she's going to be the player that everyone was hoping she would be last year, um, which she was once she got the opportunity and then the season ended. Mm. Um, And then Newton will play that kind of high half forward role so she can push into the midfield, use her like ground level tackle pressure and connect with Jess Fitzgerald. But then hopefully we can see her, you know, take a few more overhead marks, which we know she can do, but I think it's a confidence issue with her. Um, Having been in in the team and in the competition for a year now, hopefully that's improved a level um, and she can really see herself as a damaging forward, not just a damaging defensive mid. Do they make finals? I just think because of their inconsistency, they won't um, because the competition as a whole has improved so much. It's just not going to allow that to go, that to kind of slide, I guess. But that's not an issue because mm. that's not what the goal is right now. No, no. It's a long-term goal yeah. from the club. It's a, yeah, it's a long game. Yeah. Okay, West Coast, biggest gain. Well, coming off the back of talking about the Bulldogs, I would say, again, Ashley McCarthy. Absolutely. She solves two problems for them, which is their outside support of their strong inside mids and goal kicking um, because, as I said before, she's – 
a great connector of the midfield and the forward line, uh, but also pushes forward, kick, kicks goals. In the, I know practice match results are not, as in score lines are not particularly indicative of what a, st- a team's going to do. The fact that in a practice match she kicked more goals than any West Coast player did in the whole season last year. Um, <laughs> it's it's something. remarkable. Yep. Yeah, so that's exciting. Yeah, for sure. Um, so biggest loss. I, I had Talia Rodan just um, just a, an experienced key defender. I think that's going to just upset their structure a little bit. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely one. I think the way she kind of paired off with – Chantella Pereira was really strong because they both played VFL footy together and mm. that sort of stuff. Um, I actually had Mackenzie Darrick, who's not gone but inactive for next year. Yeah. Um, she's another defender for them, another uh, kind of a better defender of theirs, particularly when it came to rebounding out of D50. So she's going to be a loss, but I think they've definitely they've recruited a lot of defenders this offseason. So they'll cover the loss, um, but I think for them it's more about defensive pressure up the field to take pressure off those defenders. Mm. Uh, how do you beat them? Control the outside of the contest. So I think um, using a Freo reference again, when we watched the Derby. Yes, the derby they say Derby. Yes, yep. um, when we watched the Derby last year, West Coast won the clearances. Freo won the game by mm. 45 points. Yeah. Because they have those strong inside mids. They have Dana Hooker, they have Emma Swanson, they have Amara Cameron. They can all win clearances and yeah. be reliable to win clearances. But once the ball's on the outside, they lose control. Mm. Um, so all you have to do is perch yourself on the outside of the contest. So it's almost like when you don't have a strong ruck or your ruck is injured, you know that the opposition is going to win the tap. So you shark their taps instead of trying to win the tap. That's like them on the next layer is sit on the outside of the contest intercept the ball as they contested players try to bring it out. Yep. Uh, so do they make finals? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. No. Okay, next up, St Kilda, their biggest gain. Well, I was going to say Bianca Jacobson, but she may miss a fair chunk of the season now with a broken collarbone, which she's just had surgery on. I don't think the club's released, you know, a, a time frame for her return. Um, so that's really upsetting for, uh, for BJ, but... I'm going to say Jade Van Dyke. Yeah, her defensive work is impressive and she's smart. And she's another from the Hawthorne VFL group. Um, you know, Tamara Luke is there. Rosie Dillon is there. Patty Hill is an assistant coach. Like, they've got a few there. Um, I actually said, sorry to just, you know, take over your your choice. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's fine. Um, Renee Salidas is mine mm. because we saw – the Saints be a really strong defensive group last year and, and they're well-structured and they're smart. But when it gets forward, it feels very much like it's Caitlin Greiser or it's no one. Um, so I think Renee Salaitis could be the potential to kind of make the forward line more damaging, crumbing off great Greiser, Greiser and Sheila and players like that. She's a true forward pocket. She will play that role and that role as a specialist she won't get up the ground. She won't do all that other stuff. But that's something she'll do really well, which is I think what they were hoping Darcy Guttridge would be for them last year and couldn't quite do it. So I think um, Renee Salidas will help improve their scoring. Okay. Uh, biggest loss over the off season. I'm going to say Alison Drennan. Yes. Go on to the Suns. 
Um, yeah, she's pretty classy on that half-back line and mature. Mm. Um, so, yeah, she is a loss. But I think a bigger loss in their defensive group is another inactive player, um, Clara Fitzpatrick. Yep. So her combination of speed, smarts, and one-on-one ability showed how important she was to their defensive group last year. And some of her some of her contests were two-on-ones. She had to choose the player to go to to, you know, kill the ball and she always made always made the right choice. So her inability to get back because she's trying to not just get a working visa, she's trying to actually become a permanent resident. Mm. Because of the COVID situation, that pre- prevented her from getting back for this season. So I think she'll be a bigger loss yep. um, than anyone. Yeah. Um, how do you beat St Kilda? So they... They play with an anchor in defence, so it's usually Tilly Lucas Rod, but I mean it could be any. It could be Jade Van Dyke now that she's there. Um, they that anchor generally becomes an extra back a lot of the time. So all you have to do is not even up the numbers. Mm. Um, if you get a goal and a half, two goals up on St Kilda, it's very unlikely they're going to beat you because they can't bridge that. They can't score enough to bridge that. What they're going to want to do is batten down the hatches. Um, so. All you need to do is not even up the numbers. Make sure you've got, um, you know, your forwards doing the job that they're meant to do. And then the strength further down the field where they're outnumbered, you're going to win the game as long as you use the ball correctly. Yeah. Unlike Melbourne, who like to kick one eight against six. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll never forget that. <laughs> still raw. <laughs> round three last year. <laughs> Uh, do St Kilda make finals? I, I don't have them making finals. No, I don't think so. And it's just, for me, it just comes down to the scoring combined with, you know, Clara Fitzpatrick being gone as well. Okay, we're flying through these. Uh, next up, uh, Richmond, biggest gain. I mean, they brought in a lot of mature players. Uh, I'm going to say Sarah Darcy. Mm-hmm. Just for her versatility, she's. I mean, we all know what a great hit up forward she is. They might try her in a, in a different role, um, but I think she's. There's a lot of upside in getting her into the team. Yeah, I. I get, she's another player who last season had the best season of her career, and the reason I think she had the best season was that she got up around the ball a lot more. So instead of sitting forward and waiting for the ball to come to her at the pies. She got up the ground and became that linking player. So I wouldn't be surprised if Richmond want to use her that way because she does have that skill. She does kind of attack the contest really well and she also disposes the ball well under pressure, which I think is a huge thing for Richmond, um, which I don't think they have a lot of other than Mon Conti really. Mm. Um, mine is actually Ali McKenzie because I know they've brought in all those senior players and all this sort of stuff. But the thing that was so stark last year was – the lack of um, support for um, Conti in the middle, mm. not in terms of defensive tackling to protect her when she gets the ball, in terms of who she can give the ball to once she's got it. Yep. Um, and Ellie McKenzie is that classy player. And the other thing is she allows Katie Brennan to be moved into the forward line without robbing the midfield. And I know this is a contentious issue with a lot of people. It's been a a much talked about thing. Katie Brennan's a much better forward than she's a midfielder. She's an amazing forward. Mm. Um, if she's playing on the half forward line, coming up the field a little bit, then charging to the forward line, that's the perfect way to play her, not at a centre stoppage. So that's what I'd like to see Ellie McKenzie replace in that midfield. Um, Richmond's biggest loss over the off season, I'm going to say Grace Campbell. Yeah, Just like you said, uh, 
Conti needed all the help she could get last year and just to lose a quality player. For pick 43. Yeah. That's the thing that baffles me is how they were able to let her go for so little. Um, Grace Campbell was such a tough player who did a lot of protecting of Conti um, last season. She also was one of a handful of players that regularly had repeat efforts, which was a big issue at Richmond. So it, it kind of felt when the trade period was happening and Sarah Hosking came in and that was a great announcement for Richmond and it's such a big plus. And then 20 minutes later, Grace Campbell was out. It kind of felt like we were back on even keel almost. Um, I know Richmond recruited other players after that, but Grace Campbell, she was one of their best players last year and to lose her for pick 43 is, is a pretty big deal. Um, now, I actually, actually probably could have asked this question when we talked about West Coast too, actually. Given that Richmond have a new coach, how do you beat them with the caveat that they may have a completely different game style under a new coach? So, personal plug, if you read my preview, my written preview on the play on blog, um, <clears throat> you'll see that I've written that Richmond didn't really have a game style last year, if we're honest, because they couldn't – it was very much Conti get the ball, try to kick to Frederick up forward, Monaghan has to get out of defence. That was their game style last year. But I think the thing with Richmond, which you would hope is improved with a lot of senior players coming in, is that their game awareness of when they don't have the ball and when they're not looking to win the ball was a really big issue. So how can I make space for my teammate? How can I run my opponent out of the forward 50 to give an easier option? That sort of stuff is really important. Um, But I think the way to beat them, based on what we've seen, what we know, highlights of practice matches, because we couldn't watch them and that's a whole other conversation. I think if you keep your width on the ground create your own space so they have to be spaced out as well and then apply pressure in the one-on-one, which seems like such an obvious footy, how do you beat this team? But it's quintessential, like Richmond are the basic game style right now, that's how you've got to beat them. Separate them, don't allow them to play as a team and then beat them on the one-on-one. Do you have Richmond making the finals? No. 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 I don't either. Okay, next club. North Melbourne. Tasmanian kangaroos. North Melbourne, Tasmanian kangaroos. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Biggest gain. I'm going to show my true colours here. I'm going to say that Georgia Hammond is, oh, their, is their biggest gain. Um, she, I mean, she kicked two goals in the practice match, so she's already um, up, and about. up and about making most of her opportunities. I think, yeah, she just provides – Another option for them up to up up forward. I'd like to see King spend some more time in the ruck. Yeah, this that's is- a bugbear of mine. Like, what you've got the most dominant ruck in the competition, and you play a forward. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's a question I would have loved to ask Scott Gowans last year. Was it, it seemed like maybe she was battling a knee injury mm. to protect us? So they played her out of the goal square, um, and the. The final against Collingwood was a really good example of, oh, okay, we're desperate now. Shani Layton's dominating Viv Saad. King goes into the middle. And that's when they took control of the game and won it back. So, mm. yeah, I don't know what Darren Crock is going to do because new coach, that's a whole thing. Um, I love the idea of Georgia Hammond leading up to players like Ash Riddell, Jenna, uh, Jasmine Garner, Jenna Bruton. Like yeah. the idea of them kicking it to her on the lead 
because we know she's a strong mark. We know she can kick quite far. Yes. That's pretty exciting. Yep. Uh, biggest loss? I'm going to say Jess Trend. Yeah, after because they had Ali Drennan, who we spoke about already, yep. in 2019 playing that half-back role with Jess Trend. Mm. Um, last year she was kind of on her own and they moved a few other players around. This year they've now lost both of them. Um, so Jess Duffin coming back in is massive. But, yeah. You know, there's got to be some more kind of depth along that half-back line that can do that sort of stuff that's very composed and clean and thought through. Um, and I don't know who they're going to move there yet. Mm. How do you beat North Melbourne? So Again, they've got a new coach. So yeah. does that change them in terms of game style? I would be shocked if their game style changed too much, given how successful it was last year mm. and given how little the team has changed. Yeah. I, I, I feel like... If Darren Crocker comes in and throws the magnets around, it feels like such a waste of a list that has started to gel, which they had already, you know. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I think the way to beat North Melbourne is to pressure the midfield. We know that their midfield is very strong and that uh, they've got a lot of players that can run through there, but they usually run with the same quartet, Carney, Bruton, Riddell, and um, Garner. But... If you pressure their disposal, that's where that's their engine room. That's what they run. I think um, Emma Carney leads the competition for inside fifties, so they do rely on the midfield to do a lot of the work to get other players involved. If you can pressure that, that then filters down into everything else on the field. So I think that's the only way really to beat them. Yeah, I have them making finals. Do you? Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> the fixture we know is going to change because of COVID. COVID. Thanks, COVID. Yeah. Yay. Um, but as it stands, and we're recording on the 20th of January, before anything has changed, North Melbourne have the second easiest feature in the competition um, after they lost one game by two points last year. And it seems wild to me that they've landed such an easy fixture. They There are three um, 2020 finals teams that they don't play, and the fourth is Adelaide, who... We're going to get to, but I think they're going to be strong this year. Mm. So they've lucked out with their fixture. So if they don't make finals, then it's a blight on them at this point. Mm. Sounds really harsh because they've got everything there. Yeah. But again, fixture might change. Yeah. Fixture will change. That's interesting. I didn't – because I was going through the fixture, um, asterisks subject to change. (laughs) Um, I was going through the fixture today and I I, I actually was thinking, yeah, it's actually quite an even – like they've done a good job to make it fairly even, but you're – yeah, I don't I didn't I didn't look at their fixture and think that they had an easy run necessarily. I have all the numbers for you. Like- oh no, I believe I definitely <laughs> believe you've crunched those numbers, Jim. <laughs> I go I go by feel, you go by actual facts and data. Well, we, com- we combine well because you have the feeling and then I go and look it up. <laughs> yeah. And no, you're wrong. <laughs> Not always. <laughs> Um, all right. So the next the next team, Melbourne, Mighty D's. I went a little bit left field with their biggest gain, and I'm going to say, touch wood, Lauren Pierce. Given that she played two games last year, and just reuniting with um, that that Paxi and that midfield. I think it's going to make a huge difference. I mean, she's she's like, I mean, she she's a ruck, but she's basically another 
on Baller. Yeah, and, you know, given O'Day gone. That being said, I don't see O'Day as a big, as big a loss as a lot of other people do, but that's a different conversation. Um, yeah, in fact, the next conversation. <laughs> <laughs> mine, um, mine's Alyssa Bannon, who I alluded to when we talked about the Western Bulldogs. Yeah, Jet. She's an outstanding player, also just an outstanding person. Like her personality and everything is just so mature and like future leader of the club, like Eden Zanker type player. Um, the fact that she's a strong marking key forward who also is very quick helps solve the Alicia Newman being gone problem. Um, I expect her to come in and she may not kick a ton of goals, but similar to Nell Morris Dalton, I think she'll come in and change the face of their forward line, which is really important. It's the weakest area of the ground for them. Yeah. That leads into biggest loss. I'm going to say Elise O'Day for obvious reasons. What are the obvious reasons? Tell me. Just that she's a dominant midfielder, the chemistry that she has with those players that she's played a lot of footy with. And, I mean, we, we talk about this often with AFLW. It's just like it's such a short season and competition. If, you know, the the relationship she has with those Falcons players is kind of symbiotic in, in a way. So I'm really happy for her that she's that she's having a fresh start and everything. But I, I still think it's yeah, it's a huge huge loss in in the engine room of the ground. I feel like I have to justify why I don't think it's as big a loss as someone else. Yep. Um, she's amazing, but I think if I hadn't seen Maddie Gay have the two seasons previous that she had, and hadn't seen what Tyler Hanks could do in the midfield last year, I'd be worried about her not being there. But we've got. We, Melbourne, have two players who are younger who are clicking together with Paxi. When Melbourne is an ageing list, I'm excited at the prospect of a different midfield than maybe worried about it. Mm. And that's me being rational months after that happening. Yes. Yeah, because you, you look at the list of players departed, Jacobson, O'Day, Guerin, Newman, Smith, Smith Cordner, uh, and then um, Kemp getting delisted. Like it's a huge you, – you look at that list of names and you go, oh, my God, who is left? <laughs> but then when you actually sit down and you look at the list and the, the players that you mentioned in Hanks and Matty Gay, Mithen, Kate Hoare. Um, Shelley Scott. Shelley Scott, Libby Birch. Like they, the, the talent on their list is quite deep. We also think about looking at those seven players that are gone, six that were traded. Matty Guerin played – two and a half games and got injured. Jacobson didn't play. Smith didn't play. Yeah. So, you know, Newman kicked zero goals, goal seven. Yeah. So you look at who's gone and it's like, well, mm. they didn't have that much of an impact on last season and they were still reasonably solid last season. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, the names shock you and then you – Yeah, and then when you actually sit down and look at it, you go, oh, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so that being said, my biggest loss is Harriet Cordner. And I say this because I'm worried about Melbourne's defensive Backline. depth. Mm. Um, Mel- Meg Downey got a sprained ankle in the prac match. Like, who else? There's no other key defenders there. Um, and it's equally with the ruck, when Lauren Pierce was out, Cordner was very much, for the first half of the season, um, until, Cord- uh, until Meg Downey went down later in the season, she was rucking. Eden Zanker was able to play forward and effectively won the first game for us. 
Then. For Melbourne. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. <laughs> You're going to leave that in. That's fine. Um, but then in the back half of the season when Meg Downey became ill and couldn't play, Cordner went into defence, was that key defensive post. Who else is there? Mm. There's no one. There's draftees who aren't ready to have that put on them yet. Um, so unless there's someone being having been moved from the forward line into defence, I don't know that there's a way to cover that just yet, and that worries me. Mm. How do you beat Melbourne? So, and this comes from a lot of pain watching Melbourne lose, you need to, for their forward entries, force them wide. Don't allow them to get um, options central or deep because they'll eat those up. But the the, the wide options and the, and the longer options, they just can't convert. There's no one really that, other than Shelley Scott that can kick the 55-metre set shot. Um, and she will generally be playing as a centre-half forward, pushing up out of the 50 and then being the one delivering. The link, yeah. So if you if you push those forward entries wide, Melbourne don't have the accuracy or the, the strength in terms of set shot kicking to make the most of that. And then when it comes to defence, you need to force Libby Birch to play in a one-on-one. Um, if she's allowed to kind of go off and, and just take intercept marks, then they're going to just rebound out all day. But if you force her into a one-on-one, um, then it becomes an issue for Melbourne. Do they make finals? I say yes. I think they'll end up seventh on percentage. Oof. In true Melbourne form. <laughs> Ouch. And the only reason I say that is because I tried to do – I tried to fit everyone in. Like, there's only six teams can make finals. Um, yeah. Who else do you push out? I think I think I know who I've got in finals that you don't, so we'll, we'll get to that. Yes. Okay. GWS Giants, biggest gain. I am going to say – Tani Evans. Um, I've chosen her as well. So she was their first draft selection um, recently. She's kind of just great skill and mm. versatility, which I think the Giants have desperately needed. So she's the kind of player that they can craft the next five years around um, and she will really improve their ball movement, which I think is important. Yep. Um, biggest loss, I'm saying Yvonne Bonner. Yeah, and- it's absolutely Yvonne Bonner. Um, she's inactive because of the COVID situation. Um, I think she had a down season last year because they tried her up on the wing and it didn't work. I think the intention this year was to put her back in the forward line. Mm. She's not there. So the forward line is an issue for the Giants, which we'll talk about soon. But, you know, last year, and I've, I've shared this stat so many times because I think it's really relevant, but no one listens to me, is that the Giants actually generated on average more scoring shots than they ever have before in 2020. They actually averaged their lowest score in AFLW history because their their accuracy was so poor, thirty three percent. Yeah, and I think Yvonne Bonner would have been really helpful to try and fix that because otherwise they played really well. She's not going to be there to, mm. to help. Bad kicking is bad football. How <laughs> again? One eight against. <laughs> How to hand a team their first win? <laughs> How do you beat the Giants? Uh, pressure on the ball carrier, especially in the forward fifty, and. Again, it seems like such a dumb, like, basic thing to say, but the reality of their, I guess, yips up forward um, and the fact that they do have really talented players but they're not necessarily really um, good by foot. So if you can force um, turnovers that way, then you'll beat them. 
I don't have the Giants making the finals, do you? No, and I think it's for a number of reasons as well. Not to diminish the season they had last year, but they've had the hardest off-season of any team, mm. given everything that's happened. Now they're kind of in hubs. For a lot of teams, that helps. And I, I actually was just doing stats before, believe it or not. Surprise. I think that every, all the pressure on the Giants combined with the issues they already had. The fact that they haven't had a lot of player turnover like a lot of other clubs have, I don't see them improving and I see other teams improving above them. Mm. Um, I would just like to give a little shout-out to the Giants players. Um, I think hub life is pretty tough for an AFLW player. Um, it, I think it looks quite different to hub life in the AFLM. So I just think... Even for all media outlets going forward, I think we should just have special consideration when we talk about the Giants and um, the fact that they can actually get out on the park each week this season and perform will be a credit to them. And combined with the fact that they lost a teammate in the off-season. Oh, absolutely. Just yeah, breaks your heart as a team. So, you know, yeah, consideration. For sure. Okay, next team, Gold Coast Suns. Biggest gain... It's got to be Perko. It's got to be Perko. <laughs> I love the Suns with my whole heart. Um, I think they're such a fascinating team, but I think they're such an exciting team. And Perko going to that club, I think it will bring the best out of her and out of the club. She's such a great fit, and I know that she's so highly rated within the club by David Blake, by her teammates. She's in the leadership group. Yeah. Oh, she's been there, what, three months, and she's yeah. in the leadership group already. Her hard work off the field is really evident and it's that's why she's in the leadership group because she, even if maybe she's not the fittest player, has the best endurance, she still has goals that she set herself and is hitting those goals. So I think for a 2K time trial from memory, she had a goal of a certain time. Um, and, you know, other players are like, let's get a sub seven or something crazy Hers might not be any good near that, but it's huge for her, and she's forcing herself to do that stuff, and they're all supporting her. And in the meantime, she's supporting them when it comes to on-field skill and other things. Mm. Um, so I think it's amazing that she's there. I'm so excited. But then you combine that with the fact that their forward line struggled outside of Kalinda House last year, um, the fact that Lauren Bella, her backup ruck was Jasmine Hewitt, who's inactive um, for the season. There's so much to like about Perko being there. And they've got a lot of talent coming in, but I think she absolutely is the top of it. Yeah. In agreeance there. <laughs> uh, biggest loss might be saying the same person, Jackie Austin. Yeah. It's the obvious one, but it is the abs- – it's absolutely right. And Austin, um, stats-wise, let's go there. Um, she is their kind of big – one of their big three mids. So Hannah Dunn, who's now co-captain um, – Jamie Stanton, who's in the leadership group, and Jackie Yorston, they were the big three mids last year and they were very strong and they play both they play two way footy, so they tackle and they um, win the ball. Jackie Yorston, I think, was number one for tackles, number three for disposals, and there was a third one that I can't remember that she was number two in, which I will look up later and tweet about. Um, but you know, she leads the way and even though she's young, she led the way from the middle and yeah. she's just such a massive hole to cover in the midfield. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do you beat Gold Coast? So when it comes to them rebounding out of defence, that was their big weakness last year in terms of 
connecting a strong defence with space on the wing. What they want to do is get the ball out of defence onto the space on the wing and run it forward. That's kind of what they've been wanting to do, what they've been working toward this off-season. Um, if you can, if you watch the first half of the Q Clash from last year and watch the way Kate Luckins sets up Brisbane's defence in that ring, um, maybe 20 metres off, the off their forward 50 um, arc, and just create that wall, um, they just, uh, had struggled to break through that and they just couldn't get through there. So just have a well-set-up defence that's, ha- that's willing to make the ground really small and trap the ball inside 50, and it just becomes like a wave. There's too much to try and break through, and then you'll eventually score. War of attrition is probably the phrase I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have the making finals? I did until Jackie Yorston went down. Mm. And I just think her and Jasmine Hewitt both being gone is too much to ask. Yep. Okay. Next team, Geelong. Biggest gain, again, I'm going to say a little bit left of centre. Well, it's not. It's very obvious. But Nina Morrison, I think, is their biggest gain if she can play. That feels like such a cop-out because she got injured in round four, five, six. (laughs) She got injured pretty – it wasn't like she got injured in round one like Steph K. Hey, I don't make the rules. (laughs) You do, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, obviously she's a a big gain, especially because she plays – um, because of the growth in their midfield while she was out of the team mm. the previous year, um, she's able to play more of an outside role and be a linking player for them and kind of that outlet because she's so smart, she gets into the right positions. Yeah. So with her not there, all of a sudden their ball movement becomes really weak. Yeah. Sorry to just explain your play. Yeah, thereby when she returns to the team, she is their biggest gain. <laughs> I've got Olivia Barber, who got drafted and is very new to the team. <laughs> uh, I think Barber has become increasingly important with Kate Darby being inactive. Um, she'll, I, I think, ease the pressure on Phoebe Williams and Rochelle Cranston when it comes to contested marking up forward or just even taking a, uh, taking a defender to not allow the two-on-one. I think that's going to be a really big difference. And I... I I'm hoping we see Phoebe Williams play more time up the field um, and that can only happen if Olivia Barber can hold down that key forward role. Yep. Biggest loss, <sighs> Melissa Hickey. Yeah. Has to be. Absolutely. Her one-on-one ability, especially in the back line, is remarkable. If you watch her while Meg McDonald wasn't in the side last year, her one-on-ones were Outrageous! I don't remember seeing her lose a one-on-one. Mm. And, you know, kind of like the Harriet Cordner conversation um, with Melbourne, Mel Hickey kind of covered the players that went down that were really important. So while Meg Mack wasn't in the side, she was in defence playing that role. When Nina Morrison went down, she played further up the field and filled that role. Who's going to be able to do that if an injury happens? And then you just think about her leadership and the culture she brought to the club. I know Meg Mack is following in her footsteps and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, Mel Hickey's a big loss. Oh, huge. Huge loss. And just like, yeah, leadership. Emotional. Emotional. (laughs) Just, excuse me a second. (laughs) Um, How do you beat Geelong? This is really similar to... Um, the Suns, I think if you have good forward pressure and make the ground really small, they did struggle to get that outlet. So 
the the first thought I have when it comes to how Geelong want to play, I think of round one last year against Freo where they were, they were just trapped in their defence. But once Rochelle Cranston got the ball on the outside and could run it, um, you know, no one could catch her and she kicked the goal. I think we they want to be playing more of that game where they get the ball into space and get it forward that way. But they it's the getting it into space part that yeah. they haven't been able to do. So, again, if you can structure your defence well, make the ground small... Um, they struggle to get that exit. You might not score a lot because it might just be a lot of stoppages in your forward line, but they won't be able to score in, in return. Um, I don't have them making finals, do you? No. No. Uh, and congratulations, Meg Mac, on being named yes. skipper of the Cats. So good. So good. As good as Hannah Dunn being named co-captain of Gold Coast. You care less about that, I know, but I'm... It's not that I don't care. It's just Mac. <laughs> okay. Fremantle Dockers. Another team I love. Yes. Uh, I'm, With your whole heart? I'm a member of three teams and this is one of them. But I want to know if you love them with your whole heart like you do Gold Coast. Okay, I may have lied about Gold Coast. I love Melbourne with my whole heart and yep. maybe I love Freo and Gold Coast a little bit less. Okay. If Melbourne are playing, I... Well, you were referring to Melbourne as we, so... <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> um, biggest gain, I am saying Tia Haynes. So am I. Yay! Why are you saying it? I'm curious. Um, just because I think she's a great story. Um, perseverance. I think sometimes you just need that other opportunity. Um, I love hearing that because I think... A player coming back in good form, being selected by a team that's already very deep, um, it's such a good story because, you know, Kate Sheila is a good example of that, being a captain now. And um, Hannah Dunn is a good example of that, having been an injury replacement player in 2017 and now being a co-captain of a club. Like, there's so many great stories of... Just the resilience to try again. Yeah, and and I think the fact that she that she was a Frio player and you know she had such horrific injuries and um, you could see the emotion from her teammates when she did get selected again. And then I just think there's just that other element to footy that isn't covered in stats and data, and it's just um, you know the feelings you get you know when you see someone that's worked their ass off succeed and get another opportunity exactly. actually ex- exactly it just lifts everyone yeah and this is also why we do the podcast together <laughs> to bring something different exactly and i'm like i don't know anything but you do know <laughs> i'm touchy feely you are raw data <laughs> i am a robot you can me. um i also chose tia haynes i've talked more about on-field impact that she'll have um you you do the on-field impact <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I understand she set to, and she played a little bit of the practice match um, before kind of being rested um, as an inside mid um, where they're quite deep, but I think she's going to break through a few of those other players. Um, but she also has, and this was the role she played more when she first got selected was as a defender. So they do have the flexibility of rolling her into defense if they need. And if they want to, put more speed in the midfield or they want to, you know, tag someone or something in the midfield, they have the ability to play her just in a different position, which 
is so valuable in FLW when the lists are only 30. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited. It's looking like she's absolutely raring to go as well, which is exciting. Um, biggest loss, and I, before I say who, I mean, I'm astounded by Frio's ability to keep their squad together. Like, it's phenomenal. Um, but I'm going to say um, Taylor Breslin. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's hard to choose one for Freo because they didn't really lose that many players. Um, Taylor Breslin's gone to West Coast. She didn't play last year. Um, they do have a pretty solid defence, so she kind of just got squeezed out and, you know, there was opportunity to be a first 21 player at West Coast, so she went, mm. um, which you don't begrudge her for at all. Yeah. Um, I've actually chosen a player that's yet to debut... <laughs> that has been on the list for now two years. Um, I've chosen Anya Teague, who's their Irish recruit, who this time last year was set to be their number one ruck, did her ACL, um, and now this year has gone through all the COVID stuff to return. She was in great form and is just dealing with some torn meniscus in her knee, so it doesn't look like she'll get up for the season. The reason, um, the reason I think she's a loss, even though she's not played, is because I think... Given Mim Strom's improvement, oh, improvement, her form last year as a first-year player in the, as a number one ruck, it gave Freya the flexibility to try Teague forward and really stretch a lot of defences in terms of the overhead marking and the tall defence. Um, and now that she's not there, they don't have the opportunity to try that. By no means does Freya's forward line look weak because she's not there, but I was excited at the prospect of seeing it. Yep. Okay, I did some analysis for this next point. How do you beat Fremantle? My notes are, you don't. <laughs> so Thoughts. I feel like I should share with everyone that Alison made that joke off air before and I genuinely thought it was so funny because I actually have like been re-watching games to work out how you beat Freo and I was like, no, nah, you can't. It's not the rule. <laughs> um, my theory... Um, at times last year, the way Freya liked to play is not necessarily to win the contested ball, even though they have a lot of players that can do that. They want to win it and control the ball on the outside of the contest, so the opposite of West Coast. Um, and the other thing is when they're getting the outlet from defence, they like to have the tall marking option up on the wings. So it's Minstrom or it's um, Ebony Antonio, players like that, Gemma Houghton. If you can cut off or just have tools on the wings that can read the ball and maybe take those contested marks or at least make them a 50-50 and then have clean skill on the rebound. Use angles with your kicking to change up the way it's coming into their defence. That, I think, is the only way, really, to beat Freo as it stands, not having watched their practice match. Mm. Um, and I think a really good example of a team doing this is St Kilda last year, who took them right to the end. It was a one-point mm, game. Yeah. But you've got you got to cut off those marking outlets on the wing, and you've got to prevent them from winning the out. Like your clearance has to be clean, so they can't win it back from you. Mm. Um, stupid question, but do they make finals? I think they do. Yes. I have written yes in brackets. Premiers. Ooh, that's a big call. Is it? If you're a Carlton fan, that is a big call. <laughs> I mean, you are a Carlton fan. Yes. Yeah. So 
Okay, next team is Collingwood. Biggest gain for Collingwood, I'm going to say Alicia Newman. Now, she may have been, she may have been inaccurate. Zero goal seven. But that's, she had at least seven opportunities. You know, she, she gets in the right spot. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Collingwood's fall line has been their issue all along, really. Um, it was their issue last year, really. Other Every other part of the ground was pretty solid. Um, they need to use her the right way, though. I think you can't sit her in the forward line and hope that she does it. She's got to be played up on a wing and run the ball forward. Mm. Um, and in an ideal world, she doesn't necessarily have those shots on goal herself, but she's the one that gets it deep to Membry or Malloy or someone like that yeah. and take the shot. So, yeah. Um, mine, I cheated. Um, I chose Scott Gowans. Ooh. Because I want to highlight this. Yes. Um, he has coached 14 games as a head coach at North Melbourne in the AFLW level. He lost three. Yes. He's now an assistant coach uh, to one of his best mates, Steve Simons. That's massive. Like, that's a massive get for Collingwood. It's a massive loss for teams that were looking for a coach and didn't choose him. Um, there's one in particular that we'll t- we won't mention. It, it His footy brain is amazing. Um, it's just such a huge plus for a team that is improving um, game on game, year on year. That's I, I, I like what you've done with that one. That's good. Thank you. Now I'm wishing that I'd thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, biggest loss I have, uh, Sarah Darcy. Same. So just we'll just rehash what we said earlier. She mm. had the best season of her career last year, and it was because, again, she wasn't planted in the forward line. She was pushing up the field and she became the link because as a marking forward, she knows how she wants the ball coming in. She had smart forwards up there who just couldn't kick straight in Chloe Moy and um, Jordan Membry and Sarah Rowe, who was massive in terms of their forward structure yep. last year too. So she knew how it should be going in there. She mm. was good at winning the ball. And as I said before, she's good at disposing the ball under pressure. She's yeah. A huge loss. Yeah. She's such a great linking forward. And I just, I love left footers, how they just, you know, they, they take a take a mark on the lead and they just wheel around on the left and get it in deep. Yeah. I reckon, yeah, structurally that's going to, it's a bit of a loss for Collingwood, I think. Yeah, it raises a lot of questions because I don't know that they've recruited anyone that can use the ball as well. Mm. Yet. How do you beat Collingwood? Uh, don't allow Chloe Malloy to take marks within 40 meter, metres of goal and then have discipline. Don't give away free kicks or 50 metre penalties, especially in the forward line. They will try to force them from you. They'll try to get them. Um, that's just how they play and whatever. Um, they will try, don't give in to that because we saw many games last year where most of their scoring came through free kicks and 50-metre penalties. If you have discipline in that forward line or your defensive line, um, they that limits their ability to have a shot on goal, really. Mm. Yep. Like, look at the Melbourne game in round four. Round four. Last year, every... <laughs> Just amazing that you can remember that <laughs> off the top of your head. <laughs> every one of their shots on goal except one, I think, was a free kick or a 50-metre penalty. Yeah, right. Hmm. Uh, do they make finals? I think they do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I have them making finals as well. Here we go. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Next team, the Mighty Blues, Carlton. <laughs> Biggest gain 
got to be Elise O'Day. Junie. Why? Because she's just a jet. <laughs> she's just such a great midfielder and she's just in there mentoring that young midfield group and it's just awesome. She does look like she's got a new lease on life as well, you know, not having to drive to Casey. Did you listen to the podcast her and Darcy did? It was no, I, I was listening to it walking my dog and people were staring at me because I was laughing out loud like an idiot. I'll have to listen to it. I haven't yet. No. It was good. It was good. Um, very, very good. I purposefully didn't choose Elisa Day because I knew you would. Yes. <laughs> uh, Mimi Hill. Uh, by all accounts, she is going to, you know, win the Rising Star this year. Like she's a jet. Um, she's an outside mid winger type player, but the thing that she has over everyone is she's got such clean hands and that's a skill or that's a technique or something in AFLW that still needs a lot of development. We see, um, maybe players don't have the strength in their upper body yet to be able to cleanly handball the ball, um, under pressure in particular. She has all that. She can pick the ball up cleanly. I think she is going to take us all by storm next year, uh, this year. And especially with Chloe Dalton inactive, she can immediately just go onto that wing and replace that and contribute to their running game, which they love. And, you know, Daniel Harford has big wraps on it too. Mm. Their three draftees yep. have the best names. Winnie Lang, Mimi Hill and Daisy, Daisy Walker. Walker. Great names. Daisy Darcy's better. Well, Daisy Darcy is like... And Zimmerly Parkinson. <laughs> Oh, yes, that is, yep. <laughs> anyway, I digress. <laughs> Biggest loss. I have said Chloe Dalton. Yeah. Um, Chloe Dalton's been so important. Chloe Dalton, I hope she doesn't get mad at me, but she's also the reason they lost the game against Collingwood um, because she gave away two free kicks right in the fourth. <laughs> um, she's a great player. And she's really nice, so shout out, Chloe. Uh, everyone got remains to be siren with her. Uh, so I've put down Dalton and Sarah Hosking kind of as a combo, but... Is that allowed? I, well, this is what... This is where <laughs> I'm going with this. I don't, We've gone rogue with the rules around this, so I think it's fine. I don't think either of them are going to be as big a loss as they would be to other clubs. Because I think they have the depth and they've recruited the kinds of players that can immediately step into those roles and replace them. Like, Elise O'Day replaces Sarah Hosking, Mimi Hill replaces Chloe Dalton, and it's like for like, if not better. So I don't really think they've lost anything, mm. which sounds awful because those players are great, but it's it's the nature of their list. Yeah. How does one beat Carlton? So as strong as Carlton is, uh, as strong as the team is, um, they have in the past been vulnerable to quick rebound out of defence um, on the turnover. So they like to run in waves, push forward. If you can get a turnover on the half-back line and run the ball, use speed, especially through the corridor, that is where you're going to beat them, um, especially considering if you're using the ball cleanly, hitting hitting your teammates. And again... Seems so obvious because it is easier to play footy when you hit your teammate. You don't use the ball poorly, but if you can use the use the turnover with speed and hit your teammate, just be smart that way. You can beat Carlton. Do Carlton make finals? Absolutely. I say yes. 
in I brackets. Would be surprised if they didn't make a grand final. In brackets, grand finalists. Yeah. So you reckon it's going to be Carlton and Freo? Carlton, and Freo win. yes. Interesting. Brisbane. Talk to me. Biggest gain, Zimmy Farquharson. Okay. Basically, because I just love her name. <laughs> um, yeah, she's a massive gain. And she seems exciting. Yeah, and that's the word for her. She's exciting. She's an exciting small forward. The, the way she can grow alongside a lot of their – because their forward line is very, very young. Outside of Jess Wishner and then, you know, Lauren Arnell, who sometimes plays forward, there's not really an older player in that forward line. You know, Jesse Wardlaw is there. Dakota Davidson is there. Sophie Conway plays there. The way she can grow with them is so exciting for the long-term prospect of the club. I didn't choose her. <laughs> um, I chose Courtney Hodder who is technically signed as a cross-code rookie. Yeah. Um, but the Lions have had their eye on her for a number of years. So for people who aren't aware of Courtney Hodder's backstory, she was, you know, on track to be a really high draft pick. And then she started playing um, rugby and chose to do that at, at an elite level instead. She played for the Queensland Reds and the WA team, which I can't remember the name of. I'm really sorry. Um, she broke her leg and while she was recovering from her broken leg, she was kind of reassessing where she was at, spoke to Brie Brock, spoke, spoke to De- Craig Stasevich and because she spent two years out of football playing rugby, they could sign her as a rookie. So it's a pretty cool story. Um, she is an exciting player. She's going to use her agility, her speed and she because she's not technically really a cross-coder, like she grew up playing footy. She knows how to read the, the way the fo- footy works. She knows how structures are on the footy field. She already has that knowledge. It's not like applying athletic skills from another sport to footy and hoping that it works. She is able to do all that stuff, plus the athleticism of being a rugby player. She's going to be massive for them. Um, biggest loss I've got, uh, Shani Webb. Yeah. Um, she's an active. She's pregnant. Congratulations, Shani. She's one of eight remaining inaugural Lions, if you don't count... Selena Priest slash Goodman, who was delisted for a couple of years in his back. Um, the thing about Shani is she can play a number of positions, and again, it's the court in a conversation in terms of mid-game, she's a player that you can really throw around and try different things with if something's not going right or if you need to cover an injury. They've lost that. They do have a lot of players that you know can feasibly do that, but Shani Webb has always been their first choice and they mm. have it this year. Yeah. How do you beat Brisbane? I think if you limit their use of speed going forward and force them into one-on-one battles in the forward line, because as I said, their forward line is very young, they're exciting, but they're going to be inconsistent and they're maybe not going to be the best in the one-on-one battles. If you can isolate their forwards and not allow, you know, Jesse Wardlaw to get a bit of a chop out when she's taking a contested mark by someone else or stuff like that, force Jesse Wardlaw to take a contested one-on-one mark. Do the same to Dakota Davidson, um, and then that limit that it doesn't um, stop them from being really good because they're all great players, but it minimises what the, their impact will be. Do you have the making finals? I do, but I don't think you do. No, I don't, and I'm loath to do that because they always prove me wrong. Well, you have Melbourne, I have Brisbane. That's yeah. change. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, are they, they're line ball missing out, but, like, I had Melbourne line ball getting in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm like, I've just – Brisbane always seem to get underestimated and I – 
have probably shot myself in the foot, but yeah, I just it's hard to pick. Only six teams can make it. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be cutthroat season. Yes, it's going to be some really heartbreaking and stressful stories. Yep. <laughs> so stressful. <laughs> I'm stressed already. The season has been fun. <laughs> okay, Adelaide Crows biggest gain. It's got to be Chelsea Randall. It's got to be Chelsea Randall. Um, I'm just going to talk over you now. Her return is... Well, what can you say about Chelsea Randall? It hasn't already been said. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> They're standalone captain this year, which is cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, her, the way she reads the ball is the best in the competition. She's just the most amazing player I've ever seen. That's a big call. Yeah, she's a freak. Like. She is. The, the courage combined with the ball reading ability combined with her versatility. Like, the reason she's a great defender is because of the way she reads the ball in the air. But she can very, very easily go into the midfield and have a huge impact in the midfield. You know, there's so many ways you can play her. But She not, could actually play anywhere. Yeah. But you could even, play her anywhere. Not even just her. It's what her coming back to the defensive line does for the other players too. So, like, we saw in the – we didn't see – we heard about in the practice match, Sarah <laughs> Allen played forward. So what other things can they do because Chelsea Randall's back? So it's all – she completely changes the structure of anywhere she plays on the ground because she releases someone else. Yeah. Oh, she's just phenomenal. Like she would – you could put her anywhere on the ground and she would dominate that role. Yeah, like Jasmine Garner. Like Jasmine Garner, pretty much. But she does it with a bit more like flair. What's a big call? No, I'm just I'm just meaning like Jazzy is amazing, but probably a bit more understated or something. There's this like Chelsea's just really dynamic, courageous. Yeah, what 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 more can you say about Chelsea Randall? We love her. Love you, Chelsea. <laughs> uh, biggest loss. I am going to say it was tough, but I'm going to say Jess Foley. It was line ball for me. Mm. The only reason I didn't choose her was because she's played less games for Adelaide. Than yes. But she's absolutely a loss. Uh, the other reason I didn't pick her is because Rihanna Metcalf should be. Mm. And they have Caitlin Gould. They have, have um, Montana McKinnon who could come through. But Jess Foley is such a great leader. And the fact that she's the first ever club doctor slash coach at Geelong this year. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. But I just, like, I think it says something about the impact that she had. Mm. Like, she didn't play for long, but... Well, think about what happened to her last year. Yeah. Rihanna Metcalf goes down with two weeks to go. Jess Foley's never trained as a ruck and has to train for a ruck, as a ruck for two weeks. Becomes the best ruck in the comp and they win the flag, be, like, off the back of it. Ridiculous. Mm. She was only able to play two games in 2020. Mm. But, you know, the what she would have taught the young players as yep. well. Mm. Huge. Totally. Um, um, and just, like, ability to take on that ruck role so naturally mm. and so quickly and... The athleticism behind yep. it. Um, I chose Courtney Cramey. Yeah. Uh, that was the yeah. next obvious one really, wasn't it? Just because of the leadership yeah. she brings. Um, you can, she kind of can play in a number of roles. She's a dual premiership player. The, she's one of the heart of the club type players. Mm. Um, so just for that reason, they just had a lot of retirements. Sophie Lee had a huge impact on that club while she was there. Courtney Gum did too. Mm. But I think now is the time for Adelaide to look to their young players and it's now or never for them. Yep. So how do you beat the Crows? So similar to West Coast but at a different standard, I think if you force poor ball use from their clearance players and win it on the outside, um, 
you can beat them. You just need to nullify their engine room so they generate most of their play out of the midfield. Um, Ebony Marinoff, Anne Hatchard, um, Aaron Phillips coming back, players like that. If you can nullify that, then that stops a lot of their ball movement, which we saw teams do last year. Um, the other thing is, uh, the way they play their forward line this year is going to be really interesting because last year, without a lot of their marking forwards like Aaron Phillips, like Chloe Shear, um, it was very much make space, clear out the forward line, get Ponta running in and get the ball to her. I think this year, with a lot of those other players coming back, they're going to try for a lot more of those high contested marking kicks with um, players like Ponta, Steve Lee Thompson, crumbing off it. Um, so I think if you can make sure that you're aware of them in the air and on the ground in the forward line will be important too. Now I have them making the finals. It's basically the Chelsea Randall, Aaron Phillips factor. And also, you know, look, they, they obviously win the flag every second year, so they could be a smoky. Yeah, everyone's big noting them this year. Like for every preseason preview I've seen from everyone is Adelaide are going to be the best team in the competition. I don't think they're going to be the best team, but there's a very clear, very clear parallel between Aaron Phillips being in the side and them playing well. Mm. Um, if you look at 2019, they were the best team the competition has ever seen. Their scoring was so high, but the thing that made them even better was that they were scoring high, but they were also limiting opponent. In the AFLW, we've seen a lot of you either don't score very much but are able to contain your opponent or both teams are scoring high, it becomes a shootout. Adelaide were able to do both well in 2019. Last year, injuries obviously completely destroyed them. Round one, they had Rochelle Martin, who is now listed, but she was their injury replacement player. Round one, she played against the Lions. Um, You know, they were just depleted. So they had to change their game style to make up for that. If they can get 50% of the players back, i.e. Aaron Phillips and... Chelsea Randall, they're a hard team to beat because mm. they're so smart. Yeah. What I'd love to see from Adelaide is if they need to rest Aaron Phillips one week, can they still win? Can they still play to a high standard? Because she's 35. Mm. She's not going to be around for that much longer. She's no longer a co-captain. They need to find someone else that can step up. We know that Ebony Marathon and Hatchard are really strong in the middle, but they can't do everything. We know Chelsea Randall's amazing, but she's one person. Who else is going to step up? Because we've only seen the younger players step up when the others are humming. Mm. Side note with Adelaide, as it stands on the date of recording, 20th of January. Ebony Marinoff has been suspended oh. for three weeks Absurd. for head high contact. Um, Which is a third of the season. Yeah, so it's a third of the season. So at, at the state of play at the moment is that the Crows are going to appeal. So obviously we don't know the result of that appeal yet. If they uphold the sentence and she has to serve three weeks. How much of an impact do you think that has on the Crows season? Massive. In round one, they're playing Melbourne, who have a strong midfield and are going to really work at the midfield. So, I mean, even if the um, sentence gets reduced, it's unlikely she's playing round one. So that's already hard. Um, You know, we don't know what's going to happen with the fixture. Again, when this is out, it has probably been announced, but... You know, given Borders and Adelaide being a, a sta- South Australia being a state that WA teams can travel to, it's a bit of a pick of the lottery. If they get West Coast without Ebony Marinoff, you can deal. If you get Freo without Ebony Marinoff, it's a worry. Like, a lot of it depends on how the fixture falls as well. Mm. So there's so many things up in the air, and Matthew Clark just has to kind of 
see what happens. But the thing is, if Aaron Phillips is back, you play her in the midfield until, until Marinoff comes back and then you put her forward once mm. in the side. But we also saw Najwa Allen come in and play a really good midfield role last year. Like They, they have the players that can play there. They've got Tia Charlton that's come in as their, um, their only draft pick that hasn't played a game before. Um, she'll have an impact. Um, Ashley Woodland I've got massive wraps for. She is a high half forward but can go through the midfield as a big body. They have players that can cover her. And Ebony Marinoff, we've seen, she started out as that really strong tackler, which she still is. But we have seen a kind of crossover in terms of she tackles less now that Anne Hatchard is in that midfield. Um, so there's not the reliance of a, of a player coming in to cover the loss of Ebony Marinoff. It's not a reliance that they have to be a big tackling player or something because you're going to lose out. So the way Marinoff has been playing the past two years has allowed her to be covered more by a more generic player, maybe. Mm. Not to call those other players generic, but, you know, the things that make Ebony Marinoff great is that she's really good at the things that a lot of other players are quite good at. Mm. Whereas you look at a Kiara Bowers where she's not replaceable because she tackles but also wins the ball back and does this, this, and this. She's a unique player, whereas Marinoff is just a really, really good midfielder. Mm. And that's not to say she's... Like, not to talk it down or anything, but it's just the game style. So just to recap, the, my my top six, not in order, um, are Adelaide, Carlton, Collingwood, Frio, Melbourne and North Melbourne. Mm, I like the sound of yours better than mine. Again, Brisbane, I just I hate to bet against them because they always prove me wrong, so they could topple Melbourne. Um but my grand finalists are Carlton and Frio, and Frio win the flag. Which would be vindication from last year, right? Well, don't even get me started on the fact that we didn't get a result at all last year. Yeah, it's a whole different – it's a much deeper conversation than just why couldn't they come back to play. We could have a whole other podcast that's called Al's Soapbox, and it's just me sooking about that. <laughs> I think it's a discussion that needs to be had that hasn't been had yet. And we, among Siren, have had it because I got real mad, um, both about the season being cancelled and about some of the responses to the men's season coming back. So maybe that's a conversation we do need to have on a podcast um, sometime soon because we do need to do more podcasts. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, you know, the, the bare bones of it is that like that, they they pulled the plug on the AFLW season, but they moved heaven and earth for the men's to continue. So, yeah. So, who are your finalists, Jim? Mine are Adelaide, Brisbane, Carlton, Collingwood, Fremantle, North Melbourne. Right. The only difference to yours is that I didn't put Melbourne in there mm. and put Brisbane in instead. Yeah. But I think Melbourne will, again, I think Melbourne will do the Melbourne thing and miss out on percentage. <laughs> you are so, you are so gun-shy when it comes to Melbourne. Wait and see. Man. You've been burned. Oh, You've been so burned hard. too many I've times. So <laughs> 1-8 against St Kilda. Um, something that I had to do a triple take when I was looking at the practice match results was Adelaide kicked 221. But this is something that I've been meaning to look at that I haven't yet. You've just reminded me. 
Adelaide notoriously kick poorly early in the season and improve as the season goes on. Yeah, well. Remember 2019, um, where they became the most dominant team in the competition in round one? They lost because they kicked 111. Mm. 111, was it? Um, and uh, the Western Bulldogs kicked, I think, 2 3 or something, and they won by one point. But it's point. 23 scoring shots to three. Yeah. From that practice game. Yeah. And do you want to know how Sarah Allen's goal was kicked? It was like the ball was bouncing under a contested situation in the goal square and she just socketed it through and kind of skipped over the line. Amazing. Anyway. <laughs> I will look up those Adelaide early in the season accuracy stats for you. <laughs> Thanks. I can't wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know you judge me. I don't no, it's you, you do you, mate. You do you. <laughs> <laughs> Grand finalists. Yeah, I think I think Carlton and and Frio, um, and which seems like a real underestimating of North Melbourne because they have been a really good side. Yeah, but as it stands, again on the twentieth of January, with the fixture that we've got, they kind of have quite a cruisy run, and I think come finals it'll be a bit of a shock to the system because we've seen last year. Like, there were a few close games. They lost to Melbourne by two points in round one, but then Collingwood really took it to them in the, that mm. final. They won because Jasmine Garner's amazing. Mm. So, you know, finals are a different beast, and I don't know that North will stand up to that after having a cruisy year before that. Yeah. Um, best and fairest. I'm going to say Jasmine Garner because hopefully after last year the umpires learn her name. And what number she wears. <laughs> Completely ridiculous. Like, I know that I've said this to you 6,000 times, but, you know, her improvement from 2019 to 2020 was, the like, better than Anne Hatchard's from 2018 to 2019. So, Ghana went from a pure forward in 2019, and she'd kicked five goals in every season, her first three seasons. 2020, she becomes a midfielder. She averages seven more possessions a game, I think it was plus two tackles, plus three clearances, and kicked more goals than she had in previous. She kicked eight goals last year. Yeah, as a midfielder. As a yeah. midfielder. That is, and then she took a contested mark in the back line to save their final. Like, she can do anything. How did she go so under the radar? I don't know. Like, were they blind? It's not like she's small. <laughs> like, oh, we'll just give the votes to Emma Carney because we know who she is. It's just like, are you kidding me? It's because... Emma Carney talks more. <laughs> Who's my pick for the best and fairest? Hmm. I haven't really thought about this yet. Um, I want to see. I want to say Kiara Bowers mm. because she was my other thought. Yeah. Yeah. I as if you follow me on Twitter, which you all should, GL Bastiani, personal plug. Um, you'll know that I love Jasmine Garner and that I talk about how she was robbed last year and all this sort of stuff. I also love Kiara Bowers, which is obvious reasons why. The thing about Bowers is that in a team of really, really good players, she stands out. And also the way she plays two-way football is like everyone should be watching her as the, the benchmark for it. So we all talk about her tackles. We all talk about how she had 99 tackles last year and how she's snapping at the heels of um, Marinoff and all that sort of stuff. She wins the ball as well, and she runs. She covers more Ks than any other Frio player in games. 
she does both really well and this is the whole kind of tagging conversation too it's like why would you tag someone in a Freo team when you can just put Kiara Bowles on and she'll win the ball anyway so I want to see her recognised more by the AFLW kind of world mm. than just within Freo because again we talk about her tackles but we've got to talk about her as a whole player not just that and I would love to see that happen with the best and fairest and if we remember correctly she came home with a wet sail um, against Manny Presparkis. Yeah. And she got four best on grounds in the last week. Yeah. Um, so she was second. I think she was only – because Manny Presparkis got five best on grounds and she got four. So it was mm. a three-vote difference. I still – like AFLW has, was so robbed by – like her being injured for all that time at the start of the competition. Like I, I, th- I, also, I think about that constantly. Like imagine if she'd been fit and firing from 2017. But I also think that's why she's the player she is now. Mm. Um, if you, she okay. was pretty. She was personal pretty good before her injuries. <laughs> personal plug again. Sorry, everyone. But if you listen to my conversation with Trent Cooper, the Frios coach, who came in in 2019 when she was back from injury, so he and he said. He'd never seen her play before. Mm. And no one that had spoken to him about um, about her had ever mentioned her tackling. But she comes in off, off these injuries and she becomes this really kind of aggressive in terms of a, an attacking player because she's been out for so long. She's seen all these other people get to play for those two years. So she's she wants to beat them physically and then all of a sudden she becomes known for her tackling because she's got that ferocity about her. If you remember in round in her first game against Melbourne at Casey Fields, it was that tight game. It swung both ways. It was an amazing game, even though Melbourne lost. She was a forward. She was playing forward, and then in the final quarter, she was like, "Put me in the middle." She goes into the midfield and explodes. Like, I don't think she would be that player if she hadn't have been forced to sit on the sidelines for two years. Mm. Yeah. I- I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I've, I saw her play in exhibition games and state games and stuff, and she's pretty, yeah, she's a pretty phenomenal player. Yeah. I mean, I guess when you do have time away from the game, you probably work on aspects of your game that may be a perceived weakness. So, yeah. you know, no doubt that she she did do that, and she got herself really, really super fit, like even more fit. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I still think. Like she was, she was one of the, yeah, yeah she was, she was a jet. Yeah, exactly. Like she was like, she wasn't a marquee signing by accident. Like yeah. she was absolute, like ready to go. So I, I just, yeah, I, I do think about that often. Like yeah. the competition got robbed by the fact that she got injured for all that time. Yeah. And there's a number of players who, you know, aren't playing now because of injury that we can feel that way about too. Mm. Nature of the competition starting so late. I mean, think about what we could have seen from Nikki Callanan or Daisy Pierce if the competition had started 10 years earlier. Anyway, that's yeah. just a whole other conversation. Okay, rising star. I mentioned before, I think Mimi Hill is going to come through and be the rising star just because she'll be consistent and she'll fill she, – she lends – her game style is perfect for what Carlton need right now. Yeah. I'm going to say Alyssa Bannon. Yay! Or Nell Morris-Dalton. That's true because she's still eligible. Yeah. Well, Gem, I think that's pretty much all we've got time for. Thank you for joining us on another Siren Sport podcast. You can follow Siren Sport on Twitter at Siren underscore sport. 
you can check out all of our work on sirensport.com.au. We even sell some merch. We're really great. It's really fun. You should come be part of us. Um, you can also follow Gemma on Twitter. She may have mentioned at GL Bastiani. I'm also on Twitter. I love a chat about footy, music, films, anything at Alison Smirnoff. This has been a Siren Sport podcast. <laughs>